Hi, I'm Reed Huberman, and I'm the lead pastor of Soma Church in Cincinnati, Ohio, and this is our podcast. We hope it fills your heart with the love of Christ and fuels your day with hope. Here's today's message. And I'm going to read Psalm 1. It's very short. I'm going to read it in its entirety, and then we'll kind of jump into it. But we're going to focus on the first three verses of, of Psalm 1. And it says this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates on this law day and night. That person is like a tree planted beside streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither. Whatever they do prospers, not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Today, the message is entitled this, and from, and you'll take me a second to get there, but because you may look at the message title and wonder where we got that from, Psalm chapter 1. But the message title for today is The Pursuit of Happiness. The Pursuit of Happiness. Now, there's a question mark there, not because that's grammatically correct, but because we want to ask the question, where does true happiness come from? Where does happiness come from? Um, Without fail, the vast majority of us here today, I would be almost certain, every single one of us want to be happy. And by the way, if if you're wondering to yourself, well, I'm not sure if I want to be happy, uh, can I just tell you that, like, your kids like you better when you're happy? Your spouse likes you better when you're happy. Like your friends and your coworkers like you better, not when you're hangry, but when you're happy, all right? Happiness is a good thing. Sometimes as Christians, we think that like the Christian posture is to be austere and monastic like a monk, like, praise the Lord. Like if you clapped in church that it might actually cause an earthquake. No, it won't. It'll actually feel kind of good. We should be truly happy, but... And like I said before, most of us without fail will desire happiness. But if the statistics be true, many of us will not find it. Many of us will wonder where it is, but but not truly know how to possess it. So where does true happiness come from? Well, I can tell you this, that we sometimes don't understand what happiness is. Because some of you may be even kind of getting uncomfortable in your seat and just saying, well, I don't know that Christianity is just about making us happy. Well, I'd agree. Christianity is more about making you holy than happy. But I want you to suspend your understanding of happy for a moment from the cultural way that we understand happiness. And I want us to go to the Bible and I want us to talk about happiness. Because here's what the Bible says. Um, If you're trying to find happiness, and by happiness you mean removing all difficulty and hardship and struggle from your life. I don't think that's happiness. In fact, the Bible says this, that in this world you will have struggles, just as Jesus talking to his disciples. But he says, but don't worry, because I've overcome them all. See, the promise of the Bible is not that God's going to give you happiness. It's going to take away your struggles. The promise of the Bible is that he will give you an abiding happiness that no matter what happens to you, no matter how bad of a day you've been having, no matter how much people are coming against you, you can still have happiness. I don't know about you, but I like that happiness. So I do think if we want happiness in that way, you're going to rob yourself of some really great personal growth experiences because some of us will truly say here today that if we're going through hardship and difficulties and hard times, it's the times where we get closest to God. It's the times where we find ourselves praying. 
Like, there's two times you pray. When you stub your foot, and sometimes you say the word you're not supposed to say, and, and then when you're going through difficulty. I'm just kidding, of course. Hopefully it's more than that. But, but truly, struggle will, will help you come to a deeper knowledge and a, a, a deeper personal growth level in, in your life. So sometimes we don't find happiness because we're looking for it in the wrong places, too. Uh, sometimes we, we don't know what it is. We equate it to not being having a, we equate it to having a, a really easy life, or sometimes we look for it in the wrong places. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we say, oh, if I could just have that car, I'd be happy. Oh, if I could just have that job promotion, I'd be happy. If I just had a little bit more money, I'd be happy. If I just had a little bit of this or a little bit of that, I'd be happy. Some of you who are single here today, oh, if I just had that boy or that girl, I'd be so happy. Some of you who are married today, who are incredibly misguided, you might say to yourself, if I wasn't married to them, I'd be so much more happy. It's not true. But, but, but we think it comes in things in circumstantial situations, right? It can't come in the house. It can't come in the job promotion. It can't come in, 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 in the vacation. I heard somebody say one time that like if you so badly need a vacation, it could be that you need to quit living your life in such a way that you need to run away from it. Um, I won't go that far because vacation's pretty good, hallelujah, but, <clears throat> but I would say that vacation, sometimes if it's just to run away, it's a bad thing. It's a good idea to live your life in such a way that you don't need to break from it. But, but here's the thing is that, is that none of those things is truly the cause or the source of true happiness in our life. See, because even if it is, it's a cheap happiness. Because if you're only happy when you're in Hawaii, I've, I personally would never be happy. But I want to be happy eventually. I want to go there eventually. I've never been, but I want to go to Hawaii. But it can't be in a circumstantial, momentary Thing. It can't be found in a thing. Because if it could, then, then you could easily push that happiness away. It wouldn't be a, a lasting happiness. It wouldn't be an enduring happiness. It would be a circumstantial happiness. And so Psalm 1 is all about this, and I'll show you how this works. Psalm 1 is all about finding true happiness, not in a what and not in a when, but in a who. Your happiness will never be found in a, in a thing. It'll never be found in, a, in a, a certain circumstance. It'll never be found in a what. It will truly be found in a who. Psalm 1 is all about a pers- two types of people. One who lives his life outside of God, the ungodly, and a person who lives his life with God, the, the righteous, as it were. And, and it tells us, what happens to the ungodly? What happens to the, to the godly person? And it tells us even more so. This is why I love Psalm chapter 1. It tells us the way in which we can truly live a godly lifestyle. And then it will tell us that that is truly the key to happiness. So the pursuit of happiness for each and every one of us here today, I just want to declare it to you. The pursuit of happiness is in pursuing God. Listen, if you're writing notes and you, we have note cards in the back back there, I'd write that down. The pursuit of happiness is found in pursuing God. That's truly where happiness comes from. And let me even show you how this works so that you know. It's not just me saying it. Let me show you how this works in Psalm chapter 1. It says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners 
or sit in the company of mockers. You could say a lot there, but the first word, I'm gonna get hung up on real quick. The first word is blessed. And this is what um, a commentary I read said about the word blessed. It says, there are two Hebrew words translated as blessed. One is the verb barak, not the one here. The other word, and that's meaning is to be blessed, okay? The other word, which is the word used in Psalm chapter one, is this. The other noun is esher, meaning happy, and it is the word used in this passage. This noun is derived from the verb ashar, which means, now listen to this, to be straight, to be straight. The Hebrew people saw two types of paths in Psalm chapter one, the straight path and the crooked path. The straight path is the shortest distance between two points. The crooked path is the longer path filled with peril and fatigue and no one can eat and fatigue and one can easily become lost. The straight ones are those who walk the straight path and are, as we would say, happy. Jesus uses the Greek equivalent of this word when he gives the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, blessed are those who do this, blessed are those who do that, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus is using the, the equivalent so he could rightly have been translated, happy are the peacemakers. Happy are those who are pure in art. Happy, true happiness is found in a person. You know, I thought about this song like, uh, you remember this song from back in the day? And maybe it's not too, too far back in the day if you were a Marilyn Manson fan, hopefully not. Sweet dreams are made of these. Who am I to disagree Travel the world in the seven seas. Everybody's looking for something. By the way, most misquoted lyrics um, ever is sweet dreams are made of these because it, people say sweet dreams are made of cheese. Now listen, sweet dreams are made of cheese. That almost actually makes sense because now you're telling us where sweet dreams come from. But that song makes no sense. Sweet dreams are made of these. Okay, made of what? Who am I to disagree? Wait, wait, wait. To disagree with what? I've traveled the world in the seven Now you're going all over the world. Tell us where sweet dreams truly come from, please. Where do sweet dreams come from? It, doesn't, it never tells you. It's the most enigmatic song ever. Maybe. Certainly enigmatic. Where does, where does it truly come from? Well, there's another song. I was listening to it on the way here just because it just struck my mind um, <clears throat> as I was thinking about this message. And, and I'm not a singer, but I'm about to sing, so fair warning. And maybe you've heard this song before. Trouble, 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 trouble. Such a depressing song. Trouble been dogging my days since the day I was born. And then he says, gets better. Worry, 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 worry. Worry just won't seem to. <laughs> you want me to sing now, don't you? <clears throat> Listen, if I get a big head and go on American Idol, y'all just gonna laugh. It's not gonna be funny. It's, it's been trouble in my mind. So, so, listen, do you want to live your life like that or would you rather be happy? Because I love the next verse of the song. Of course, he claims it's a woman, uh, but we claim in church it's something else. And we claim in the Bible it's something else because, he's, because he goes next into the chorus and he says, but I've been saved by, and I always change the words because I'm kind of a dork. I say, been saved by Jesus, but it actually says saved by a woman. So I don't know that that's necessarily true. Right? But we do know this, that, that, listen, so much of our life can be plagued with troubles and difficulties and worries. It's a depressing song. But, but listen, if you learn to, to move past the difficulties of your life and truly find a person, 
Not just a woman, not just a man, not just a boy, not just a girl, not just a thing. You will truly find what Psalm 1 is talking about. The word blessed, as you come to it, very first thing, blessed means happy. Happy is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. A.W. Tozer said it this way. He said, there is only one big enough, majestic enough, wonderful enough, beautiful enough to satisfy the desires of the human heart. Oh, I hear, hope you hear me this morning. There's only one, and it's God. The human heart desires so much, but there's only one who can satisfy it. That's what Tozer told us. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, if you find that nothing on this earth satisfies you, it could be that you weren't made for this earth. You could travel the world in the seven seas looking for happiness, but it's only found in one place. And when it talks in Psalm chapter one, it says that these guys don't get it. I'm gonna go back and just real quickly give you kind of, when I gave you that definition about it being a straight path or coming from the word for a straight path. So you can choose to live your life in a crooked way going from point to point to point, from point A to point B to point C, looking for happiness in your life. But Psalm 1, and in this word blessed, is trying to show us that happiness comes from the shortest distance between two points, a straight line. Okay, so here's what that means. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And again, this is coming from that word, the very first word in Psalm 1, chapter 1. So at one point is you, obviously. This is the idea that's trying to be communicated in Psalm 1-1. Shortest distance between two points is how you're gonna live a happy life. So one point is you. Well, guess what's on the other point? It's God. It's God. The shortest distance between your happiness and the things that, that God has created you for is, is between you and God. You and God. So keep going, I'll, I'll show you how this kind of works because Psalm 1, chapter 2 kind of gives us, fleshes this out a little bit for us, but it says this. Again, blessed is the man who does not do this, but he does do this. His delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on this law day and night. So you see this? So the, the person who is blessed does not do those things, and I'll get into those things a little bit here. They, he does this thing, and again, if you dig into the word, the thing is, is what it tells us in Psalm 1-2. His delight is in the law of the Lord. That word law there does not literally mean like do not kill, do not lie, do not commit adultery. The word there literally means Torah or teaching. So, so do you get this? So if you truly want to live a, a straight happy life, you, you will live that life by the teachings of God, the, the law or the teaching of the Lord. That's one of the keys to happiness. I'll try to break it down a little bit for you here. But, but I want to show it to you kind of in a symbolic way here for a minute. So if you go back to Psalm chapter 1-1, you will see a regressive pattern of the person who is not living the happy life. Uh, it says this, that they're walking, then they're standing, and then they're sitting. It's a beautiful picture. The idea is that you're not going to be growing. You're not going to be moving forward. You're not going to be uh, growing spiritually and personally in your life if you're living your life outside of, of setting your destination on one thing that will truly bring happiness in your life. You'll be living this regressive pattern of life, but God wants you to live a progressive life. Um, and this is, this is kind of the best way I can think to kind of 
make this make sense. Is there's a, a physical law called the law, law of inertia. The law of inertia. The law of inertia states that if I were to take a ball and I were to roll it down this, this center aisle here, that, that objects in motion like to stay in motion. Well, there's a contrary law acting against that, that ball called the law of friction and the law of gravity that pushes and pulls against that option, object so that it does not move forward. Okay, so the law of inertia and the counter law, the law of friction or the law of gravity, pushing and pulling against that thing so that it doesn't keep on moving forward. Well, I believe that there's a spiritual equivalent to that. I believe that you were created. I'm going to show this to you in the Bible, so I hope this, this, this stirs your heart. I believe that you were created with a spiritual law of inertia that you were created to, to be moving forward and not moving backwards. I mean, the Bible says this, that nothing shall be impossible for those who believe. The Bible says this, that there is a treasure hidden inside of earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of ourselves. So God's put a treasure inside of you. The Bible says that he who started a good work in you is not gonna stop it, but he'll finish it unto the day of completion. The Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. The Bible says that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The Bible says that, you, um, that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, neither power nor, nor principalities, nor angels, nor demon, nor height, nor death will be able to separate you from the love of God. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who loves you. That's what the Bible says about you. So that's spiritual law of inertia. Keep moving, keep going, keep growing, keep being who God has called you to be in his word. But there are counter forces that, that act against us, that push, that pull, and that keep us from being who God wants us to be. I don't know about you, but I want to see some of the things that the Bible talks about. I'm not satisfied just reading an ancient historical story about a man. I want to see the truth that is promised in the word of God to each and every one of us. I believe that that's what God wants for us. And so what is ultimately the spiritual law of inertia in our life? Well, Psalm 1-2 just told us. It's the law of the Lord or the teaching of God. I truly believe that the word of God will help you move grow and be the person God wants you to be. It truly will. Now, I'm gonna to get to this in a second, so don't just think I'm saying, well, go home and read the Bible, right? It's a little bit deeper than that, but yeah. Do we, do we understand the power of God's word? The power of this word that brought this world into existence. I know it's just a book we lay on our shelf. I know it's just a book that sometimes we lay on our dashboard. I know it's just a book that sometimes we have to open it up and go like, so that we can see it, to it. But it's powerful. It's powerful, guys. It changes things in your life. That's what Psalm 1 is all about, is living your life according to the word of God or not living your life according to the word of God. And when you open it up, it changes things. Listen, in Genesis, it says that God spoke the world into existence, right? And you may say to yourself, well, read, I don't believe in none of that mumbo-jumbo spiritual nonsense. I don't believe the Bible, blah, 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 blah. I'm a scientist. I once spoke to a person much like that. Um, um, and, and I won't tell the story because it takes too long. But, but, but listen, I'm not talking about even just throwing your brains in the trash can. I'm talking about the logical evidence for the creation of the world is that 
let some, something has to come from something. Something doesn't come from nothing. There's this idea even called irreducible complexity that if you take a life form and boil it down to its simplest, to its simplest stage to where it can only have life if it's in this place, anything less than it will not exist. If you, if you reduce it down to the simplest form that it can actually take, it is still so complex that it necessitates a designer. So I'm saying something that's, that can be scientifically looked at and something that we believe in the word of God, that the world was framed and made by God speaking. Let there be light. And it was good. See, the power of the word of God is that it can, it can move things. It can create things. It can, it can take the, the nothingness of our life and it can, it can make something out of it. The word of God is powerful. It's powerful. So I want to get into just a little bit of it here because I want to try to wrap up as quickly as I can. But, but I do want to take some time to look at the couple of other the elements here so that you, would, you understand what, what Psalm 1-2 is talking about in terms of what do we do with the word of God. Well, it says this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and he meditates on it day and night. So I just want to talk to you about meditate and delight real quick. So the, the Hebrew way of understanding meditation this is the way. It's a little bit gross, but I'm just going to share it with you. The way the Hebrews understood this word for meditation is, is they had a picture that is from the bovine world, from cows. Um, and, and so they would use an idiomatic expression in association with meditation to try to illustrate what meditation looks like. And they would call it chewing the cud. Chewing the cud. Okay? So for those of you who are not farmers... You're sensified. Uh, let me tell you what chewing the cud means. It's the way that cows eat. Cows would eat grass, okay? And they have a bunch of different stomachs, and they swallow this grass. And then, because that grass is so delicious, they vomit it back up into their mouth. And then they chew it again and enjoy it a second time. Some of you who are super gross are right now thinking about doing that with your next meal. Then they would chew it again, and then they would swallow it, digest it, spit it back up into their mouth, chew it, swallow it, digest it. Some of you don't know this simply because we force-feed cows corn nowadays and not grass. But, but, but the idea is that, that you would take this in, and then you would digest it, and then you would eat it again, and you'd eat it again, and you'd eat it again. Because you savored it so much. Because you wanted to taste it a second time. You ever had a meal like that? Oh, I can't wait to get it again in my mouth. Now, you never thought about vomiting in your mouth, I assure you. But, but, the, but the idea is, is that meditation, true Christian meditation, doesn't look like this. Um, um, like, I can't think of anything more boring. True Christian meditation is this. Is that I saw something in the Bible. Mmm. I want to look at that, and I want to think on that, and, and I, want to, I want to get it in me. In fact, I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to spit that thing back up, and I'm going to eat it again, and I'm going to eat it again, and I'm going to eat it again until it finally sinks into who I am and to my being. Listen, man, if we did this, there would not be so, co so much cognitive dissonance or disconnect between what we believe and how we act if we would really start taking in the word of God, start chewing it up and say, boy, that's so good, i got to get some more. Mm, that's so good, i got to get some more. That's what it means to truly meditate on the word of God. And then it says this, day and night, day and night. Now, I looked this up in the Hebrew too. 
And this is going to blow your mind. You ready for this? I hope you got your seatbelt on. I hope you're sitting firmly in your seat. Because I looked up the word day and night, and guess what? In, in, in English, it literally means to read the Bible day and night. That's what it means to, to in the morning, come to the word of God. And then at night, come to it again. Now listen, this is as practical as it gets here today. I want to try to give you something practical and not, just, and not just get excited about God and his word, but I do. So you'll have to forgive me a little bit. But here's the practical thing. Do you want to be happy? Do you want to be happier? Do you want to truly live the life that God's destined you to live? I want to challenge you to do something. Do it for a week. Just do it for one week and see if it doesn't make a difference. In the morning, open up the word. Get the Bible. Open it up and read it. And then at night, open it up again. Now listen, this is going to challenge your lifestyle. I know it does me because I'm a pastor. I'm the pastor of this church. And I had to challenge myself this week to do the exact same thing because when I put my kids to bed, somebody's going to amen this. When I put my kids to bed, they got their shower, they've been fed, and I finally get to sit down, I'm just like, It's going to challenge the way that you live your life. But if you'll just make this commitment just for a week and just see if it doesn't impact your life, it's just to say, all right, I'm tired, but I made a commitment. I'm going to get into his word before I lay my head down. I'm going to get into his word. This is what it will do. In the morning, you get to set your aspiration. You get to set your goal for what the day will look like. That's why it's so important that you in the morning look at the word of God and then you start to set your goal based upon his word. And then at night, you get to reflect and look back, and you get to say, and this is a good prayer, by the way, if you've never prayed it, God, how did I do today? I, I read this this morning. Did, did I do it today, God? Did I, did I live in what I read this morning? Did I let it sink in, God? So you get to aspire in the morning, and you get to reflect back um, at night and look and see if you applied what you read that morning in the word of God. I could say so much more about that. But day and night, day and night, continuing in the word of God will truly bring you. And, and I want to just encourage you. I want you to go to John 8, 30 and 32. I don't have time to read it this morning, but it talks about continuing in the word of God. And then you'll be free. Not just reading it once. Not just saying, oh yeah, I read that five years ago. But continuing in the word of God will truly help you become free. That's John 8, 30 through 32. If you're a Bible study or if you're going to take me up on my challenge here this morning, I, I encourage you to let that be one of the things you read. Because, oh, that's almost too good. I don't want to get into it too much, but it's almost too good because Jesus speaks and then it says in John 8, 30 that these people who heard him speak believed in him. And then Jesus directly after that speaks directly to the people who believe in him. And he says, if you continue, continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Continue, speaking to these who believed in him. If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And then he said, and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. There's a difference between make and set, by the way. The truth, it will truly make you free. And then it says that the people who believed on him and heard his word one second, the very next second, because he talked to them about being free, got upset and got really mad at Jesus. In fact, you, it's a really funny story because they start calling names back and forth to each other. And Jesus finally tells this to them. And I know what you're thinking. This is going to blow your mind in terms of your understanding of Jesus. But Jesus finally goes back to them and says, your father's the devil because you lie and you've been a murderer from the beginning. And, 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 and they go back and forth. And these are people who just believed in Jesus. So the point is this, is that Sunday morning is great. 
Even an altar experience, absolutely important. But God wants you to continue to grow in his word. And then this is what's going to happen to you. This is what's going to happen. And, and this is this in, in verse 3. And this is where we're going to try to come to a close. It says, that person who meditates on the word of God day and night is like a tree planted beside streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. His leaves never wither. Whatever he does, prospers. Isn't that pretty good? I mean, just that alone, that person is like a tree planted beside streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Their leaves never wither. That's a promise that you're going to be planted beside streams of water. That's a promise of spiritual growth. And then you're going to grow fruit. That's a promise of personal growth. And then three, yeah, whatever, uh, sorry, this is an eternal promise. You will yield its fruit in season and your leave will never wither. You'll never die. This is the eternal promise of God that you'll be with him one day in heaven if you truly embark upon a relationship with God. Now listen, I, don't, I want to be very clear. This message is not about using Jesus as a means to an end. This is not about you can have a happy life if you follow Jesus. But this is that if you will pursue Jesus, you'll truly find happiness. You will truly find the things that are, that are spoken about in this passage of Scripture. You will find that you're planted beside streams of water, you'll yield your fruit in season, and your leaf will never wither. It's a powerful promise for each and every one of us. And, and, and I don't have time to go into it too much, but I just want to say at least this much about, about it. Um, one of the ways that you know that true happiness is found in pursuing Jesus and, and, and pursuing his word and getting to know his word, which, by the way, is, is to, to delight in his law is just a, a desire to know him. Um, but one of the ways that you know that we will truly bring happiness in your life is that in Psalm 1-3 it says this, that you will yield your fruit in season. So let me just say this. What's a fruit tree supposed to do? What's its purpose to grow fruit? When you start reading the word of God, when you start getting to know Jesus, guess what's gonna happen to you? You'll know your purpose. And the happiest people on this planet are those who know why they exist. Come on. Somebody better amen that. The happiest people on this planet are the ones who know why they're here. You'll know your purpose. You'll know why you were created. And so hopefully this, this registers to your mind, to your heart here this morning. I just want to say this last, I want to give you this last story, and then I want to encourage you as we move into a time of prayer and worship. Um, one of my favorite preachers, speakers, is a guy named Ravi Zacharias. He tells this story. Uh, when he was very young, he went to Vietnam during the Vietnam War, spoke over there and held crusades and different meetings and stuff like that. Thousands of people came to faith in Christ. Um, his interpreter, a young man named Yen, after he left, was taken captive by the Viet Cong. Um, and the Viet Cong continually drove into his mind the Communist Manifesto, Marx and Engel, Marx and Engel, didn't allow them to speak English. They could only speak French and Vietnamese. And so he's in this prisoner of war camp, and daily he's having this, this agenda shoved down his throat. And, the, and they're constantly telling him, God doesn't exist. God doesn't exist. And finally, he gets to the place where he thinks to himself, well, I'm at least going to live as though God doesn't exist because of how horrible and awful my life is. On that same day that he made that decision to live like God doesn't exist anymore, he was going to clean the latrines the bathrooms, 
And as he was emptying a wastebasket, he saw a piece of literature in English. Um, he looked around real quick to make sure nobody was watching. He pulled it out, and then he washed it off, and then he stuffed it in his pocket, not knowing quite what it was, and then went about his day. That night, he found some light, and he opened up that, that little piece of paper. And you know what it was? It was a passage of the Bible. It's from Romans 8. God works everything out to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It makes me want to weep just thinking about it. He saw that little piece of paper, and it was there that he fell to his knees. He cried out to God and said, God, I'm sorry for what I said this morning because this morning I cursed you, and tonight I've heard the one thing that I needed to hear most in the world because he opened up the word of God. So the next day he went to his captors and he said, hey, can I clean the latrines again? They looked at him like, what? And so day after day, he would go and he would find these pieces of paper with excrement on it, pages of the Bible that had been torn out by the commander who was using the pages of the Bible as toilet paper. He would wipe himself, throw it in the wastebasket. That man would come in and clean the latrines. He would wipe them clean, and then he would stuff them in his pocket, and that night he would use them for his devotions. That day it was used as toilet paper. That night it was used to fill a person's heart because the word of God is powerful. This man told this story to, um, to Ravi, and, and I don't have time even to go into the rest of it but, it, but he brought him back home after they reconnected, after he was finally released from, from prison. And he sat around the dinner table and he told his young children this. He said, don't ever let go of God. Hold closely to him. He will help you no matter where you're at, no matter what storm you're facing in life. He will be by your side if you cling to him. You will truly understand what life is all about. And so I say that here to you today, that life is all about knowing him, diving into his word, getting to know him, letting him fill your heart, letting him change everything that's inside of you. But would you do this? Would you take some time to worship? Would you take some time to just recite his word? Would you take some time to just call out to him and say, God, I trust your word above the word of man, above the word of this world, above the word of any other thing, above the word of the news media. I'm tired of all the noise. I want to hear you. You can change it. You can make a difference. You are the key to happiness. I want you. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. For more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our channel for past episodes. If you liked what you heard, please consider rating or even sharing it with friends. That would mean so much to us. For more content from Soma Church or to connect with us, go to soma-church.com. We love you and we can't wait to meet you.